All right. Welcome to But Still She Thrives. We have a very special guest today, Leona Brannon, and she works for the House of Ruth. And this is a resource I wanted to share with you guys who are local to the DC, Maryland area. So we're really just uh, going to share this information and share what the House of Ruth does. So Welcome, Leona. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Christy. Yes, thank you for being here. So we'll just dive right in. What is the House of Ruth's mission first? We'll start there. (laughs) Sure, Sure. So the House of Ruth, we were founded in 1976 by a Georgetown University professor named Veronica Maz. Um, She noticed in teaching her students and taking them out in D.C. to do volunteer work, she noticed that she walked past a homeless man laying on the street in D.C., Mm. how she felt passing him by. Yeah. And really understanding there are major issues and challenges that can need to be met when it comes to the unhoused, homelessness, um, and particularly for women, um, and especially for women who are leaving domestic violence situations. Um, So our mission essentially is to empower women, children, and families to rebuild their lives and heal from trauma and abuse and homelessness. Our services include support-enriched housing for families and for single women, Mm -hmm. also trauma-informed care via our developmental daycare, kid space, and free counseling at the DVSC, our Domestic Violence Support Center, where I work. Um, And it's designed to empower anyone, regardless of gender, who are survivors of trauma and abuse. That That's awesome. I love that. And just before we continue, what specific area, if people are looking for this resource, one mm-hmm. of the many that you offer, which, you know, I didn't even know the childcare aspect until I talked to you previously. So there's just, there's a lot of stuff you guys do, but specifically what area do you serve? If someone is looking for this, what are the, I guess, limitations geographically? So for housing, um, the main eligibility requirement is to be a DC resident. Um, We're grant funded for our housing programs and also for our um, counseling services. So we have different stipulations for housing. That's one of them. You have to have a DC residency established Mm -hmm. and then you work with the team from there. For counseling, there isn't a a residential uh, requirement. Mm -hmm. It's just to, if you're interested in counseling and you've experienced any form of trauma or abuse, um, especially in in regards to interpersonal relationships, it doesn't have to be a romantic relationship. A lot of times our clients um, who seek services here have had difficult family experiences Mm, that have been emotionally, physically, financially abusive, um, that it's either led to homelessness or or periods of homelessness or just really dysfunction or dysregulation in the day-to-day life. That's for the counseling service and for the Developmental daycare makes sense. You have to be in DC. Um, it is mm-hmm. located in Southeast DC. And so it's really servicing and providing that support for the community there. But people drive their children <laughs> across DC to get there um, because right. it is such a support enriched program. Right. And so, as far as the housing, what is the setup for that? Free, discounted. I know you have mentioned HUD vouchers when we were talking. Right, right. So, just trying to give an idea to those in DC that could use it, what to expect. 
For sure. So we do have a really great intake process that works with each individual in, in looking at their particular situation. Because um, we do have individuals who are currently working and needing that support to have affordable housing. And so we do, you know, do kind of a subsidized uh rental assistance program there and helping people to connect with uh, safe and clean housing. And if you have challenges or any issues, those barriers with being able to get a lease because there've been issues with your rental history, that's Mm -hmm. where House of Ruth helps out with that too. That's great. We also have transitional housing that are kind of dormitory style for folks who are experiencing like crisis housing and needing some crisis Mm -hmm. support. And so for single women, we have programs where you're at a location, a secured and safe location for could be 12 to 18 months before you transition to permanent supportive housing or independent housing. Again, all of our programs are support enriched. So that means that you'll have some case management support. You'll have a person who's going to help you walk through all of the resources and benefits that you're eligible for to help establish that foundation for independence. Yes. And I know there is such a great need for this type of resource, which means there can sometimes be a wait. Mm-hmm. I guess at this time or in general, is there a wait list? Is there a general time people wait? And if so, where do you kind of direct them or what do you advise them mm-hmm. to do in that situation? So when I receive callers um, asking more questions about housing, I do direct them to our intake line mm-hmm. because we have seven programs for single women and six programs for women and children. Yeah. It varies. And depending upon each individual's particular situation, you might be able to be placed within the week or might be a few weeks. There might Mm -hmm. be some additional things to kind of work through first. So our intake line is really helpful. Uh, They know all of our programs and they're really they're better versed than I am in the kind of steps to take. So that's where I direct people. Essentially, we receive all of the calls essentially, or it feels like all of the calls um, <laughs> yes. to our main line here. And so I, I do direct people that way so they can get the specific information for their specific situation. Yeah. It's great to have such a variety, cover all bases. And that's great to know that they could actually get in quicker than one would maybe think because- <laughs> Of the of the demand, you know, un, the unfortunate right. demand, right? That there is a demand. Yeah, for this. and it has uh, gone up. It has gone it, up because of the pandemic. So with the counseling, and you said it's kind of the eligibility is pretty open. What what is offered? Is there anything resources that just to give another idea of? I know there's emotional support, mm-hmm. but gaining access to certain other resources like education or um, childcare outside of if, you know, like I said, if there is, you know, not space at that time or legal issues, thing like that. Gotcha. Gotcha. So the biggest thing we run into is, you know, because of the demand at times, we do have a bit of a wait for uh, therapy and being matched with a counselor after you do your intake for counseling. Mm-hmm. Um, so I let people know on the front end, if it's going to be four weeks, six weeks, things like that. And at intake, every client is provided with a list of resources and that we walk through and talk through and also safety planning tips to really help this set the stage for what they can expect in terms of the support from our program. So my team, we're all licensed mental health counselors. And so our first, first and foremost, our first uh, kind of focus is on 
trauma and healing, mm, right? Yes. So we, we do a lot of talk therapy, a lot of uh, skills building with the focus on, you know, helping our clients identify their goals that really contribute to their life worth living. Now, understandably, it's not just, I want to feel better. I want to live better. There's all these other pieces that contribute to that. Like my housing stability, financial stress and strain, childcare. Mm-hmm. And so in having, I guess this will be less of a case manager. We do help clients connect with case management and find a, a good program that fits them. But having that person to meet with and talk through your plan and have like that support and encouragement as you're calling these numbers and maybe getting a little bit of a runaround and feeling frustrated, mm-hmm. having a safe yeah. place to land with that is, is, is super helpful from the feedback I get from clients. So I like to let people know we're traumaologists. So we really focus on helping our clients learn the skills they need to really advance and move forward in their life and understanding that additional resources beyond the scope of counseling can be needed at times. And so you just have that additional support to navigate the wide system that we have in DC to really put those pieces in place one, one piece at a time. That's great because I, you know, I can imagine coming out of a abusive situation and even if you're just on the other side of it, but having to feel so overwhelmed with all the things that come along mm-hmm. beside traumas, like you said, that's first and foremost, you want to work on that, but all these other things that are just almost seem like such a hard task to someone who has just gone through something traumatic. Mm-hmm. I mean, even getting up in the morning or taking a shower can be hard. <laughs> so yeah. it's really great to have that support there right away, even if you can't get to the counseling part right away, which is, mm-hmm. it's just nice. And I did want to kind of touch on that because I remember you did say that you guys do offer a list and resources right away. So my podcast is mostly focused on after people are out of a situation, a toxic situation, like you said, it could be romantic, it could be family. And I do know you, and I wanted to just make this clear, you all do help people with exit strategies because some people come to me and I don't really work on that, right? So if you could just, I guess, touch on what you do as far as that, are you dealing with people who come and say, hey, I... I don't even know where to start. I'm still in a situation. Yeah. Okay. Yes. When we have clients who are still living in an abusive or unsafe situation and they kind of are unsure about if and how to leave, our big focus at that juncture is, is working on identifying those steps that they would feel safe taking. It's kind of thinking through your therapist, right? Your therapist isn't or shouldn't (laughs) tell you exactly what to do. Right. We can't kind of prescribe to our clients, this is what you need to do. What we are able to focus on are the safety steps that can help other, have helped other people Mm -hmm. and giving our clients the ideas. So considering, you know, where, how do you save things in your phone? How would you save these resources in a way, if you're concerned that your partner or the person that you're living with would have access to it or see that you don't want them to, what are safe ways to save and keep resources? How do you kind of strategize around where you would go? You know, Mm -hmm. let's consider the different options in your natural support system. And then we look also at the options within the city. 
So planning where to go, who to call, and how to keep that information as safe and secure as possible is really that kind of early on, like let's consider some options. Also strategies to leave with children, because that can look a little mm -hmm. bit different as well. Yes. Um, so I really work with my clients, especially my moms, on identifying what are the steps that you feel the most comfortable and safe with doing first? What is plan B, C, and D? <laughs> right. Right. Worst case scenario, right? We, so we think through these things. And for clients, it's also great to have a place that you're coming to where I can write it down and save it and keep it and we could come back to it. If you don't feel comfortable taking that with you, because again, that fear is there of what would the person figure out what I'm trying to do? Um, right. So you really consider all of these elements of safety, of feeling feelings of security to make this very big leap and change. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, I love that you guys do that and support them through that earlier stage. And like you said, it's going to look different for everybody. And, you know, with my podcast, yes, I have advice on a specific niche, but you know, with that comes everyone's stories different. And there are real fears, especially in this type of situation. You have violent people that can be involved. There's some real fears there. So you've got to stay within someone's comfort zone and keeping them safe, obviously, is, you know, top priority. So that being said, what advice do you have for women who are finally getting out of an abusive or toxic situation? Mm -hmm. I would say, first and foremost, connecting as early as possible with support programs like House of Ruth, I think that really makes a difference because when we're in the most difficult times in our lives, it can be really isolating. Mm. When we're experiencing really the worst kinds of abuse, the worst kinds of, of neglect from the people who are closest to us, whether it's recent or it's well in the past, there can be a lot of emotions that come up from that as you're trying to build your life. We work with folks who you know, are actively working on changing their lives, whether it's via employment, whether it's via you know, education or just reestablishing a fully independent life on your own with or without kids, there's so many emotions that come up through that. And as you're navigating going to school or going to work, the day-to-day -day grind of, of, of whatever your life situation looks like, being able to have, a again, a safe place to land, a support system around you, it's just invaluable. And it does help in reducing severity of crises at times, too. Right. Because, again not being by yourself and not feeling totally isolated, you're more likely to be able to kind of think through and work through what you would want to do and strategize a little bit earlier in the, in the, in the game. Mm -hmm. um, so no matter where you are in your process, if you're just considering like, hmm, maybe this could be better, or maybe I want things to be different. Connecting with a support program, I big advocate for House of Ruth and, and calling us and, and at least having someone help you kind of navigate uh, the vast <laughs> social service system that we have here. You may talk with multiple programs and organizations before you find the right one, before you feel that level of support. But starting that early, I would definitely recommend it. I would also say having a plan pre and post exit. 
you know, that can be helpful too. Just an idea in mind. So you don't have to just ad lib it and kind of take things as they come. It can make leaving feel a little bit more doable. Yes. If you're thinking it through and you have a support behind you. And even if you've left in the past, you're like, man, I've done this before and I've come back and I've come back. This could be the time that it makes the most difference and that it actually sticks. Right. This can be the time where this change is lasting. So I encourage people to give yourself, give yourself grace and space to, to make these big changes and knowing that it's not all or nothing. It might not look perfect. It may Mm -hmm. not be the best and the most comfortable situation, um, but having support makes it even better to be able to achieve it. We have some new success stories from our programs and and people who come from really dark times. And so we see that with the right support, you can achieve the better life that you want for yourself. I would also recommend starting counseling early. I'm a big Mm -hmm. proponent (laughs) for therapy. Absolutely. (laughs) I think it's so important, no matter where you are in life, to take time to slow down and, and really have that therapeutic, open environment and safe space to explore, to unpack and uncover maybe things that you hadn't before and learning how to deal with it, be with it, self-soothe. Um, I think we all could use that, especially after the mm-hmm. years, couple of years we've had, you know, to be able to set healthy boundaries for yourself and for others while you're trying to create a new normal, all of these things we aren't taught in school. So having therapy gives you a space to really learn it and incorporate it into your life. Yes, that's a whole other uh, podcast where I I think I talked to you about that. I just would love to see more of this taught in school, proactive avoidance of getting into these situations, right? Because it starts so young, it can start really young. So that's something I'm passionate about as well. And you know, going to tap into that in the future. So yes, I totally agree that. And I think it's important for us to, you know, send that message out that it's never too early to come to you guys. It's never too early to start with the questions that even if you're not sure, this is how you can decide you get support. Right. And another thing I did want to mention, because I have had people, you know, clients of mine say, well, you know, he doesn't hit me or something, right? I just want to reiterate, and maybe you can speak to it a little of abuse is just not physical. And I know that like the back of my hand now, but when I was younger and going through things that I did, I was in it and didn't realize how much the emotional and other other things could have a to- take a toll. And I think that's more common than we realize with people in abusive situations, even if it is physical, this, well, he, he only hit me once or, he, you know, there's just this idea of kind of dismissing it. So I guess if you could speak to any of that before we um, get going here, it just popped up and I thought we'd yeah. touch it real quick. And that's really important. And that's a big thing that, you know, we teach as we do, we do a lot of uh, community presentations, especially around domestic violence awareness month. That's when we have our busiest time. Mm-hmm. And I talk a lot about this dynamic that in relationships, especially intimate partner relationships, it doesn't start off as physical. You know, we, we educate and learn about the red flags internally and externally that can come up in a relationship and how to read those early signs. You know, if I 
set up a boundary or say no to something, the person's response to it is really important. It's really yes. telling. And so we're gathering information and, and helping our clients and the folks that we connect with in the community know what those early warning signs look like, know what that power and control dynamic, how that can come up early in a relationship or over time. And really being able to hear those internal red flags, because we hear mm -hmm. about like, oh, that's a red flag. This is something <laughs> that someone is doing that isn't good. Right. But what about those internal ones that come up? If I express myself and the person I'm speaking to says something negative or derogatory that makes me feel bad about what I'm saying, that is speaking to me, that is telling me something yes. about how this dynamic can make me feel. And if I address that with the person and I still feel unheard or hurt by their response, those internal feelings are really important to cue into and to listen to. Absolutely. I say, listen to your body. If you really mm -hmm. get quiet enough and you let your thoughts escape, I'm big on meditation and prayer because in those moments you can check in, even if you're outside of the actual moment where, you know, it does sting or, or you feel dismissed or undervalued mm -hmm. when you sit in silence. And for me, that can be prayer, meditation, whatever you really can ask yourself questions and essentially quote, listen to your body, you know, like mm -hmm. our body, our heart, our, I mean, it's, we're always communicating to ourselves. It's just yes. a matter of listening, right? <laughs> exactly. And learning how to listen because it's not automatic. No, <laughs> there's so many not. thoughts that come through your mind at one point in time that it can be hard to slow down a little bit. Totally. Yeah especially when you're kind of in survival mode. I mean, so that's a whole other <laughs> situation, right? So it's like surviving and trying to listen and, and do all of that can be tricky, but you know. I, I also want to mention <laughs> how relationships, especially in the beginning, they yeah. tend to feel great. They mm -hmm. call it, it's like the honeymoon stage. Yes. Right. And, and everything is awesome and exciting. You know, I have a number of clients who've been in therapy with me for some time and they're in a new relationship and it's so great and so exciting. And they're a little bit afraid because they kind of know of what's happened before, mm -hmm. you know, so a little bit of that historical, you know, information is, is coming to the forefront, but even still in the moment, it's so great. And it's so exciting. And that's the most, that's the loudest message yes. that this person likes me. I feel good. I feel great. And so even then we work on, and we talk about, let's consider what your boundaries are and, and see safe ways and, and early ways to kind of throw them out there to learn this person yes. and give yourself the opportunity to hear what would come up for you if you set a boundary or if you asked for something or you said no to something what would that look like and how would you feel so understanding that those early stages especially of dating no matter what age you are you are a detective and you're learning yes and you're wanting absolutely. to know who this person is and how they make you feel and in addition to all the great feels in the beginning. Mm -hmm. Right. Great point. And on the heels of that, when people have gotten out of the situations and you're looking back, even in my own situation, a lot of times we kind of forget like, well, the bad kind of sinks down and we're clutching onto those good moments. Mm -hmm. And so we can, that's where you can get kind of pulled back in. And if, you know, a lot of abusers can do the power control and manipulation and tug on your heartstrings, they know what buttons mm -hmm. to push. So that's just another thing kind of similar, even on the other end, where I'm sure you guys 
you know, help with that on the post leaving, trying not to get sucked back in because that, that can be common as well. Well, for me, I could, because again, I'm totally respectful of my client's choices. Mm -hmm. I have had clients who've resumed a relationship and really my focus and goal is supporting them and doing it in a healthy way to make choices in a healthy way right. to continue to build their self-confidence, their inner dialogue and keeping it going Yes, um, because whew, it, it can be difficult to, especially when families are involved, it can really be difficult to not have a relationship with maybe a close family member, maybe a parent. Right. You know, and so navigating how to maintain a relationship you want to maintain in a way that also maintains your self-respect and your safety. We practice and learn how to do that as well. Yes. And that, like you said, those boundaries, like mm -hmm. that's setting up the boundaries. Cause yes, there are situations and even co-parenting that, you know, with an yes, ex, exactly. there are situations either, like you said, you want to maintain some sort of contact or you have to so yes, navigating that balance where you can still feel good in that relationship somehow. And I, I agree that it's, do, you know, it's doable. It's just work. And so support is really important. Well, thank you so much. Also, I did want to talk really quickly. I know you have opportunities for volunteering. I believe there's ways to donate. So if you can touch on that and I will have all of the links to all the information in my show notes for the podcast, but I just want you to give a little synopsis. Yeah, for sure. So we've had such a great development team um, led by our development kind of, I call her the president. That's probably not her title, but call her our development president because she's so on it. Her name is Elizabeth Kiker and she's easily reached via phone and email, um, which I'll give to you to add to your yes, notes. Great. Um, and she really does a great job on identifying the, the biggest areas of need in our organization and introducing people to what we do, how we work, and, and also connecting many organizations beyond, like we work with a lot of other organizations within DC. And so being able to have just that wealth of knowledge from Elizabeth, she has so much in terms of opportunities with us and also how to support the work we do at large. So I would definitely say to connect with Elizabeth if you're interested in donating your time, donating supplies, because we do support a lot of, you know, and women and also kids, um, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of times we don't have fun things for them to do. And so having those just community supports makes such a big difference in just the experience that our, our families have uh, while they're with our program. Great. Yes. So I will definitely put all those links and I'll try to get the direct links to each, each thing on the website. Um, and then her information will provide that. Yeah. And I guess that is it. This is uh, just, thank you for what you do. Um, I'm so excited. We got to do this little collaboration and, and get the word out more. Because I appreciate it's such a you for spreading the word. I love to talk about House of Ruth and what we do. And I'm super appreciative for the opportunity to, to share that with your listeners. Yeah, I'm very excited. So thank you so much. And we'd love to have you back on to talk about maybe different topics in more depth. And we'd Definitely. love to talk to you soon. Definitely. would love to come back. Thank you, All Christy. Right. Yes. Thank you, Leona. 
If you are loving this podcast but want a little more customized guidance, go to my website at www.christyjade.com and go to the Work With Me tab to find ways you can work with me. I would love to help you. Also, don't forget to look in the show notes, aka the description of this podcast, for any related links that I mention and more Christy Jade fun.